never say die! Going on 14. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 255 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I am Joel. And I'm Josh. And four podcast hosts enter. Only one of us is allowed to leave. Let's see what my weapons are. Hmm. Crippling self-doubt and type 2 diabetes. These are only effective against me. <laughs> Looks like I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah, Joel. Joel, uh hits the crippling self-doubt. Ah, something I can use against him. Damn it, I forgot about that. Wait, Patrick's already dead? No one went near him. (laughs) That was before the game even started. My weapon is middle-age rage. (laughs) And coffee. And coffee. That would be, there's a a question for for Twitter. Given Hunger Games between the four of us, who would come out alive? (laughs) Oh... Oh, Me, if I don't kill myself first. Yeah, I was say, Joel would apologize and shoot himself. <laughs> no, my, worst enemy, my worst enemy is me, so... No, I'd apologize and give one of you guys the I would, I would kill. I would kill the three of you and then and then shoot myself, probably. Would... Yeah, I'm probably not hiding or, re- or running or climbing or jumping. All right, so just to let you guys know, we actually watch Battle Royale versus The Hunger Games. You're not hearing some sort of audio suicide pact. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes, Battle Royale. It's not just Fortnite or PUBG. It, it's a movie. Yeah, Battle Royale 2000, but we found a workaround because it came out January 1st, yep. 2000. So we were yeah, like, we weren't going to disqualify it for being 12 hours too new right. to talk about. And then we're putting that up against the uh, 2012 Hunger Games, which I hear was a big deal. Yeah, I hadn't heard of it until this. Some Jennifer somebody in it. Yeah. Jennifer Rare. Aniston? I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. And Thor's brother. If you like Thor's brother. And who doesn't? <laughs> That's literally the only thing you guys gave me. Well, you might like the shows on the Podcast Collective. Such as No Hope for Humanity. Dating Baggage. I Am Salt Lake. Tales from the Hard Side. And of course, the Rad Dead Radio Hour. <laughs> I don't know if we should keep talking about the Rad Dead Radio Hour. Now, now it's just the Benny Hill theme song. Yeah. <laughs> well, Why Can't We Stop Pooping has been canceled, so I can't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see, when was the last show? Oh, come on, guys. Rad Dad hasn't been on since February 1st. Go back to talking about the Left Field Sports Lounge? I, no, we, we that's way too dead. <laughs> that That's a reference so old. Some of our uh, listeners could have been listening for two years and still not know what I'm talking about when right. I mention it. Right. So, so if you know of any other dead podcasts, uh, give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP, 708-669-9727. And if you're looking for our older stuff, uh, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, NoonFM.com, and iHeartRadio. We are now a show on iHeartRadio. And by the time you hear this, we will be a show that has been around for five years. I know. What the heck? Yeah, the uh, this show will go live on our fifth anniversary of doing this thing. Yeah. So That's crazy. It is. It really is. So, if you you know, just also tossing this out here, if you, um, we haven't mentioned this, this site often enough, uh, but podchaser.com is uh, IMDb for podcasts. So if you're looking for our show, you can find it there and you can also uh, find shows that are similar to ours. So you can kind of follow that little rabbit hole and leave us a comment, leave us some reviews and that sort of thing out there. So we would appreciate it. You'll be here too long. You'll be here five years. (laughs) You go now. 
you no more remake. Out. No more remake for you. You scare my wife. <laughs> oh, I miss him. Yeah, we haven't actually heard uh, from anybody on the voicemail line since uh, Luke from Chicago. Oh, uh, well. Was he the last one, or did we get a Nenim loss? I think it was Luke was the last one. I think Luke was the last one. Correct. Do you guys think that we'll ever be on the air long enough that there'll be a uh, a reboot of the show and we'll become <laughs> like super meta? Well, I think we got to figure out what the hell is going to happen when we all turn fifty. Right. Oh crap! Five going on fifty. That's going to be weird. I remember shitting my pants. Fifteen <laughs> going ago. on fifty. Yeah, it would be fifteen. Oh, Why 15? Five. It would be five. We'd go back. <laughs> I don't know. Nine years, eleven years. I can't math. And then, and then when we turn 60, we'll be like talking about when we were negative four. Negative six to you, sir. <sighs> it's about that time. Is it, though? <laughs> it really is. <laughs> this week in music, movies, and TV. <laughs> what was that? I'm trying to make it like more epic. That's epic. Fail. Yeah. <laughs> Quest failed. <laughs> Just made it more confusing. All right, so this week we're going for December 16th, 2000, which was technically the release date. Was In it? Japan. In Japan. Okay. Wait, December 16th, 2000? Yeah. That would have been a year well, later. I thought it was 1999. Well, according to IMDb, that was the date they listed, so I went with it. Okay. Whatever. Um, but let's see. Where was it released in the U.S.? The 12th of June, 2001. Huh. Oh, well, we... Earliest release was was October of 2000 in Japan. Now we got to scrap the show. Yeah, We've got to right. redo the notes. Yeah, right, we're out of here. No yeah. topic. Only 18 years old, not nearly old enough. Well, legally. Yeah, okay, we'll do it live. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, in there. we're going to run with it. Music. The number one song in the land was Independent Woman, part one. By Destiny's Child. Was there a part two? Uh, I don't know. Never... I actually don't know, and I I like Destiny's Child, but I I did not. I don't I'm know. Not, I'm not a like a fan or anything. I don't. I all I know is Beyonce stuff. I don't know Destiny's Child really. Yeah, I mean, there, I know there was apparently a part two. Say my name. Maybe. That was. Gosh. What? Oh. Was there a Leonard part one though? I see. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, does anybody care? <laughs> Poor Bill Cosby. He that'd be the ultimate prequel. That Leonard Part One. That'll be his comeback. Oh, he's Ooh. not coming back. No, he is definitely not coming back. No, he's yeah. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. Uh, so next, uh, Roebuck. Well, he pops. did. Uh, 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 Roebuck Pop Staples was an American gospel and R&B musician, a pivotal figure in gospel in the 1960s and 70s. He was an accomplished songwriter, guitarist, and singer. Patriarch and member of the singing group, the Staple Singers, along with his son, Purvis, and daughters, Mavis, Yvonne, and Cleotha. He died on December 19th, just nine days short of his 86th birthday, and was absorbed. Staple Singers are amazing. Yeah, I like the Staple Singers. Plus, they have great names. Cleotha. Cleotha. That's a good one. Here, let's give let's give them a taste of Staple Singers here. Ooh, yes, please. Stop eating that banana. <laughs> Tasting the staple singers. Ew. <laughs> All right. And that was the staple singers. What do you think? That was. I'll take you by. Take you there. 
he says, realizing <laughs> that the new setup doesn't allow you to hear things that I play in my computer. <laughs> yeah, we're all like, yeah, it was quieter than I expected. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was their cover of the song, The Sound of Silence. Note to self, put that note on my screen. Um, yeah, staple singers were amazing. I'll take you there. I think it's probably one of the one well, that everybody that knows. Song, yeah, people sure. know that song, so they can imagine. Um, and finally, Robert Norman Buck was a founding member and guitarist of 10,000 Maniacs from 1981 until his absorption from liver disease on December 19th. Some of his compositions with Natalie Merchant are among the most popular songs recorded by 10,000 Maniacs, including What's the Matter Here, Hey Jack Kerouac, You Happy Puppet, and These Are Days. Which everybody knows these are days. Even if they don't know the song title, they know the song. Oh, yeah. Yep. It's used on a ton of uh, montage type stuff. Yeah. They wrote... Inc- oh, oh, go, go ahead, ahead. Uh, It wasn't that good. Oh, go I was going to say, they, they wrote incredibly mediocre music, but it was enjoyable for some reason. Then, therefore, it was not mediocre. It was pretty mediocre. Not a lot going on there. But they got a good hook, so, you know. It was less mediocre than the joke that uh, Joel talked over, so I decided not to tell. <laughs> there you go. They were better than snow. <gasps> Don't say that. Movies. <laughs> Please. <laughs> the number one movie in the land was Helen Hunt's Cast Away. Wait, Helen Hunt's Cast Away? <laughs> what the hell? Patrick. That was for my own amusement. She was only in, like, what? The first... 15 or for the movie basically yeah right yeah which is fine because any helen hunt is good helen hunt but still (laughs) okay i like her well enough i don't dislike her yeah that's kind of where i'm at i still haven't seen it what what Uh, come on seriously you know my my movie tastes are a lot stranger than yeah but it's just such a good movie i haven't seen all of it either I haven't seen none of it, but I haven't seen it beginning to end. I know there's a volleyball tournament in it. (laughs) I saw it in the theater, and I watched it several times. But then again, every Thanksgiving, it's Thanksgiving, so i got to watch Tom Hanks movies. Yeah, you you like Tom Hanks more than I do. I love Tom Hanks. I I don't hate him, but... eh. You do. And I like him quite a bit. Fair enough. Movies released this week included Chocolat, The Emperor's New Groove, What Women Want, Castaway, Miss Congeniality, and the acronym of the week. DWMC question mark, which I'm pretty sure is Damon Wayne's minty cock. <laughs> I've always wondered uh, if it was the, 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 huh? Is it implied? It's chocolate mint. Ooh. Really dude. Oh, mint chocolate chip. Come on. Ooh. Yeah. Worse. All right. I am going to say right now, I love the emperor's new groove and will watch it anytime that it's on. I've never seen it. What? Kind of despise that movie. You, what? Yes. It uh, is. I, I, I do not like. Pandering? Especially incredibly dated pandering. It's like, yeah. I, I'm done. David yeah, Spade, Patrick Warburton, no. Uh, <laughs> nope. Joel, have you, uh, you have to have seen it. Yeah, Juliana likes it. I'm not a big fan, but I don't hate it. I don't know any of you. <laughs> Good God, I love that movie. I don't know why. I mean, actually, I do know why. The whole diner scene makes it for me, but I love that movie. Um, I will say that Miss Congeniality is better than it has any right to be. Yes. I do agree with you on that. It's one of those things where when I saw the trailer for it, I was like, this is crap. And it's one of Sarah's favorite movies. She made me sit down and watch it. I was like, why is this this funny? Yeah, it's actually pretty dang good. Plus William yeah, Shatner. Sandra Bullock, Sandra Bullock is awesome too. Like as a as a I just love Sandra Bullock. 
Hey, have we said that anything about Damon Wayans' cock, what that really is? No, I was kind of waiting for it before moving on. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, obviously, dude, where's my car? Oh. I like Josh's better? Yeah. All right, the Joel and Ethan Cohen film, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, was released with a T-Bone Burnett-produced soundtrack that revived the popularity of traditional American folk music and bluegrass. Yes, it did. Such a great movie, such a great soundtrack. Yeah, It really is. All of those things. Yeah, I, I could just watch that film over and over again. And Saki Bottom Boys could play in my car on any single commute I've ever taken. <laughs> we're in a tight spot. I thought <laughs> you were a horny toad. <laughs> a hell of a tight spot. Uh, they turned you into a horny toad. <laughs> what a curiosity of geography this place is. It's two weeks from anywhere. <laughs> It's that is a, one of the best lines. <clears throat> such a weird movie, but I mean, still, you get so drawn into it. Yeah. George Montgomery was an American actor, director, World War II veteran, painter, sculptor, furniture craftsman, and stuntman, who is uh, best known as an actor in Western film and television. After a career that included more than 80 feature films, Montgomery retired in 1972, making only two more minor appearances in film until his death at his home in Rancho Mirage, age 84 on December 12th. And a damn good-looking man if I've ever seen one. Yeah, he was one of Hollywood's elite uh, leading men types for a while there. Like He was like a a, a, a tier below like a Randolph Scott. Yeah, but <laughs> Randolph, Randolph Scott. Scott. <laughs> Randolph Scott. Randolph Scott. <laughs> okay. What the hell was that, Patrick? <laughs> Blazing Saddles. Oh, oh! Here's one I want to see: the toughest gun in Tombstone. God, who's? In well, yeah, he also like he um he has he has uh, he made like bronze uh, busts of pretty much everybody he ever worked with, and like they're they're like all over Hollywood in different restaurants and different whatever. He um he had he owned a furniture company because he started making furniture for friends as a hobby, and it, you know, he was he was so good at it he started a store. Huh. Like he had twenty people working for him making furniture. Really? That's yeah. crazy. This guy was a, a, a serious like man, man, Renaissance man. Like like the more I read about this guy, the more I'm like starting to worship him. He was engaged to Hedy Lamar. This guy did everything. <laughs> I love George Montgomery. I'm a big George Montgomery fan. I'm gonna start watching his movies now. I like George. Nice. Great. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I want I want to learn more about this dude. I want to watch him. This was a man's man kind of guy. That's gonna that's... refashion your life after George Montgomery. You're damn right. Can't go wrong. First you have to do is sign up for the University of Montana. Go. <laughs> Major in architecture. <laughs> Gonna reboot my life. God. Again? You know what I've realized life needs? Life needs save save spots. Oh. I like, would have used the hell out of those. Oh my god. I like, would do I, so many awful, awful things if I knew I could load. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like you step into like a you don't room. even know. If there's I, you, I do horrible things as is. If I had the option to redo things, oh my god, there would there would be it would it would be it would almost be catastrophic what I would I do if I had if if there were no like I, I loaded earlier. <laughs> if there were no like permanent consequences and you could just start over, then isn't that like the theme of your life? No, there, I have discovered in the last like ten years there are definite permanent consequences. <laughs> I didn't used to think so. I used to think like, hey, I could do whatever I want forever. No. Yeah, if if I was in Groundhog Day by like day five, the town would look like Pale Rider. 
Yeah, Nobody you'd, have, you'd have a midget is. sheriff. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> yeah, that's a deep cut. All right. Uh, British director Guy Ritchie wed pop icon Madonna at Skibo Castle in Scotland on December wait, 22nd. Wait. You need to re- you need to say that again because you worked the, you you pushed pop icon to where it sounded like a pop icon. Pop icon Madonna. Nope. I thought pop you were taking issue with Skibo Castle. <laughs> no, I just, it is it Skybo? Like, Maybe it's Skybo. All that that stuck out to me was you said the word Popeye. <laughs> <laughs> Popeye Con. Oh, I'd like to go to Popeye Con. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all they have is spinach. Oh my god, I can't even. I was I was at Popeye Con all weekend. I am shitting my brains out from all the spinach. <laughs> You're never getting out of this weekend. <laughs> all right, British director Guy Ritchie wed pop. Icon, oh, Madonna at Skybo Castle. <laughs> I'm changing it up in Scotland on December 22nd with Gwyneth Paltrow, Stella McCartney, Sting, George Clooney, John Bon Jovi, Celine Dion, Brian Adams, Rupert Everett, and others in attendance. She married all those? <laughs> no, they were in attendance. Oh, and others. All attending Pop Icon. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of Popeye fans in Hollywood. Who knew? Whoa. That was pretty fucking good. That might be your best impression so far. <laughs> Let me mess it up. Hold on. That uh, and L. <laughs> oh, well, that one, it's so bizarre enough that people will never understand it. Though. We have found your wheelhouse, L and Popeye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So top shows in the land. TV are Survivor, ER, and Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And it is 2000. Oh, for sure. See, if I was on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, I can tell you right now I would not call any of you. Why? Because I would be terrified that you guys would screw with me. <laughs> That's reasonable. I don't know. Pat's I mean, a I'm, font of useless knowledge. Pat, so. I mean, all of us are fonts of useless knowledge. I mean, I think if you get, you get join the four of us together like uh, like Voltron, we would know everything. But the thing is, I, I'm not 100% sure that... I think Pat is at the top, Josh, and then Joel if being the, I'm going to give him the wrong fucking answer just to see what happens. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to say it wouldn't enter my mind. Oh yeah. And then Pat's going to be going, save spot, save spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't do it on, in that scenario. I think uh, the first thing I would do is throw out Anne Margaret <laughs> and you would know that's a false flag. You're like, no, I'm not. just to say Anne Margaret on the air. Exactly. So, uh, on de- December 14th, Barker's Beauties, Janice Pennington and Kathleen Bradley both quit CBS series The Price is Right. Yep. Starting the following day, auditions to find new Barker's Beauties were held for several months. In the end, Claudia Jordan and Heather Kozar were selected as permanent models. Huh. He and said, Heather Kozar is now married to a former NFL quarterback. And many, many dogs were spayed and neutered. This was amidst a... Uh, a sexual harassment scandal. Apparently, Bob couldn't keep his hand off of the Barker's beauties. Yep, that's the story. I mean, he wasn't like Cosby level, but... Yeah, but he he was very handsy, apparently. Yeah. Claudia Jordan has a Instagram. So does Bob Barker. No, he doesn't. Moving on to the only thing there it was to, to talk about in sports. Sports was very sparse this week. Sparse sports. <laughs> sparse sports? On December 11th, at the 66th Annual Heisman Trophy Awards, the award went to Chris Weinke, quarterback for Florida State. Wow. Not even yeah, any that was cricket well, or anything. There nothing. was nothing. I mean, like, it was just 
Nothing. Let's huh. talk more about George Montgomery and Popeye. Would you like to eat your? No, I fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's just get out of this train wreck. Would you like to eat Popeyes with George Montgomery? <laughs> Keyboard Joel, take us out. <laughs> All right, so that was almost a plea, like a beam us up, Scotty. <laughs> For the love of God, save us! Get us out of this tree. Um. So yeah, Battle Royale, two nine, uh, nineteen two thousand. So, uh, 42 students, three days, one deserted island. Welcome to Battle Royale. A group of ninth grade students from a Japanese high school have been forced by legislation to compete in Battle Royale. The students are each given a bag with a randomly selected weapon and a few rations of food and water and sent off to kill each other and no holds barred with few minor rules, game to the death, which means all the students have three days to kill each other until one survives or they all die. The movie focuses on a few of the students and how they cope. Some decide to play the game like the psychotic Kiriyama or sexual Mitsuko, while others get like the heroes in the movie, Shuya, Noriko, and Kawada are trying to find a way to get off the island without violence. However, as the numbers dwindle on an hourly basis, is there any way for Shuya and his classmates to survive? That was the Better Than IMDb summary, written by (sighs) Prissy Panda Princess. Aww. You just selected that one to say Prissy Panda Princess. You are half right. That was actually a really good description. <laughs> it was a pretty good description. So uh, some of the taglines for this one is uh, their game, no rules, no prisoners. Uh, could you kill your best friend? One dead, 41 to go. 42 students, three days, one survivor, no rules. Today I killed my best friend. And have you ever killed your best friend? Why, Yes. <laughs> Once in a cocktail bar in Su- in Soho. A lot of killing your best friends in those taglines. I like that. <clears throat> I like that. Today I killed my best friend. Yeah, that's. I mean, I mean, it's. I'm. I'm sure. Okay, I'm just saying right now. I have issue with translation in this movie. I'm guessing I missed some stuff because of the Japanese English crossover. Now, did you guys see the special edition or? I saw. One? Yeah, I saw the special edition with with the subtitles. Okay, so did I. Yeah, because I've seen whatever the original one was a couple times, but yeah, I yep. actually own the the original uh, special edition. So I have never heard of this movie before. This subject. Movie. What? Really? Really? Have, huh. you, have you met Patrick? Um, well, but it's not like it's. I mean, it's not like the greatest known. But I don't. I don't follow a lot of Asian cinema at all. Right, and you're not as deep into video games as I am, so like those would be the two places you can't possibly avoid it. Like a- any influence on Asian cinema, anime, or video games, like Battle Royale is huge. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah and those none of those are in my wheelhouse. So uh, this is directed by Kinji Fukasaku. Uh, Josh, I thought the new. He actually wrote uh, the script to Clock Tower Three. I keep hearing great things about those games. I have yet to play any of them. Yeah, Clock Towers are pretty good. It's, uh, I mean, in the same vein as, I mean, it's almost kind of like that survival horror as Resident Evil, but it's more, you have no weapons, just try to survive type of thing. Right. Yeah. So, uh, writing cred- credits for the novel is, uh, Koshun Takami, and then the screenplay was written by Kenta Fukasaku. Bless you. you thank you. Who, uh, also did... Uh, Battle Royale 2 and the challenge and double X X cross is actually what's called a lot of a lot of Japanese action films. But uh, but yeah, so this is one of those where you're really not going to know um, a lot of the names here. 
just because. Yeah, I mean, basically, you've got uh, Shuya Nanahara and Noriko, and beyond that, maybe you know the teacher's name is Kitano. Maybe. Yes. I mean, he's if you if you're. I mean, you really have to be into Japanese cinema to. Oh, you're talking about the actors. I thought you were talking about the characters. Oh. No, yeah, I'm talking about the actors. Yeah, yeah. I I'm talking about the actors. Yeah, I, I was totally off. Proceed. All right. <laughs> All right. So, Tatsuya Fujara. Fujara. Uh, Fujiwara. Fujiwara, I know. Anonymous Dolphin is on his name. So, uh, he plays uh, Shuya Nanahara. Akari Medea is Noriko. Uh, before we move on from Tatsuya, uh, he is best known, I think, even beyond Battle Royale as being the uh, voice of Light Yagami. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's in Death Note. Yep. Yeah. So if you are on Netflix and you've seen Death Note, you know who this guy is. Uh, still doing stuff. Uh, Akimidea Noriko. Uh, Aki. Again, these are Japanese stars Battle Royale, Battle Royale 2, and then Godzilla, Mothra, and she had a cameo in Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters, All Out Attack in 2001. So yeah, that's a thing. Uh, Taro Yamahoto is Shoujo. Takashi Kanto, Kitano. Takashi Kitano. Takashi Kitano is Kitano-sensei, the teacher. And he is in a ton of stuff. Yeah, he is. He's been around. Crossover stuff a little bit, but... He's a he's a kind of a famous dude. Yeah. Overseas. Uh, Chiaki Koriyama is Takako Chigusa. Yeah, Chigusa's actress is almost certainly best known by just about anybody in the states as uh, Gogo from uh, Kill Bill. Kill Bill. Yeah. Yeah. You. I mean, the second you see her on screen, you're like, that's who she is. Cause... And it's definitely a way different character. Like where Gogo is an utter psychopath. Like uh, Chigusa is like almost afraid of the world. Yeah. That's and it, it, and she really is. Um so Sosuki Takaoka Takaoka yeah, Hiroki. Uh she is known for being in <laughs> I'm tossing this out here and Joel and Josh are the only ones that are gonna get this, but uh Cutie Honey, the live action movie. <laughs> I did not know that. Like I'd only ever seen the anime. Cutie yeah. Honey Tears. There are a I'm looking at this right now and there are a Quite a few live-action Cutie Honey movies. Wow, really? Wouldn't have been one I would have thought would have been ripe for live-action. Yeah, I know, either. right? Seriously. Takashi. Oh, yeah. Ta- Takaoka is in 13 Assassins. That's interesting. Oh, that's such a great movie. So Sosuke Takahoka uh, is also uh, in this. as Hiroki Suri- I don't even know. Sugimura. Anymore. Sugimura. I have a hard enough time with English. Um, so, I was just about to say, why don't you surrender this to Josh? Hey, for... I'm trying, man. I know, but I'm just saying for you know the next three names or whatever. Just take a break. Josh, hit it. Okay, Takashi Sukamoto uh, plays Shinji Mimura. Um, I actually had not seen Takashi uh, before this. Um, I've heard of some of the films he's in, but almost you'd have to be pretty deep in Asian cinema to have ever heard of him. Mm-hmm. Then you've got uh, Ko Shibasaki, who plays uh, Mitsuko. Also in 47 Ronin. Oh, yeah. I love 47 Ronin. Yeah. And Masanobu Ando, who plays Kazuo Kiriyama. Right. Um, if you've seen this movie as Psycho Redhead Guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a lot of film credits, but not a lot that would be 
familiar to Western audiences. Except for uh, self-bondage all tied up with my own rope from 2013. Of course. Everyone's got a copy of that in their house. Seriously, it's like... Yes? (laughs) Mine's right next to my plumbus. (laughs) It's just like uh, Wizard of Oz. (laughs) It's nothing like the Wizard of Oz. So yeah, so uh, one more, Josh. Is, is there? Is there? Nope. No, not at oh, all. So trivia: uh, many members of the Japanese parliament tried to get the novel banned, bum bum bum, but to no avail. When the film was released, they attempted to ban that. Both efforts resulted in the Streisand effect, and the novel and film became more successful as people said, "Wait a second, why are they trying to ban this? I'm going to go see and read this," and it became huge. Therefore. This is one of the top 10 highest grossing films in Japan. Not surprised. No, it really is a classic of modern Japanese cinema. It is. Uh, With the, that had huge crossover. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, the magazine containing the bomb-making instructions that's used by Shinji Miro and his gang is titled Harahara Toki, which means the ticking clock. This magazine is a real bomb-making magazine published by an anti-Japanese government activist group called Hijaki Aja Hanichi Busu Sensen, which translates to East Asia Anti-Japanese Armed Front from the 1970s. So it's basically the anarchist cookbook for That's Japan. Kind of what I thought. Yeah. Now this I found amazing. Well, kind of amazing. None of the cast had any stunt doubles, not even the lead. Really? Really. Crazy town. Uh, the movie is banned in South Korea due to graphic violence. Uh, also, more banning stuff. In April 2013, seven years after the film was put on the index for the youth endangering media, the film was confiscated by the local car- court of Fulda Hesse, Germany. This meant that no one in Germany was allowed to sell the movie and all copies were to be confiscated by the police. What the hell? Cape Light, the German licensee, appealed the ruling in October, and the court revoked its ruling. As of February 2017, the movie is no longer confiscated nor on the index. An uncut release somewhere in April 2017 is planned by the publisher. Was planned by the publisher. That I don't sense. know. Yes. Germany. They're known for confiscating things. <laughs> Among other things. Yeah. Could you imagine them knocking on the door? Hey, we're here for your copy of... Uh, I fucking forgot the name of the movie. Battle Royale? Yeah. Can you imagine that? That'd be crazy. I actually could imagine that just because I know that they're really sensitive to what dangerous ideas can do in that country. So them being a little gun shy about a film like this, I get it. Yeah. As long as you're not here for the rabbi. I got it, Pat. <laughs> oh, they all got it. Oh, yeah, we got it. Yep. Yeah. Didn't want it, but we got it. Uh, uh? <sighs> okay, so... Um, I'm just waiting for him to move on. Yeah, I'm moving. Contrary to popular belief, this film was never banned in the United States. There are, however, several conflicting, if plausible, explanations to why it wasn't initially released years ago. Uh, Toy refused to license the movie for North American distribution and rejected offers from several American companies. Plausible. Toy's licensing fee was unusually high for this kind of film, so smaller independent distributors could not afford it, and larger distributors that could refused to pay. Plausible. 2000. After the Columbine High School shootings, no distributor was stupid enough to pick the film up. 
and due to the plotline involving high school students killing each other, it was never released. Until recently. I'm going with number three, Pat. Yeah. I'd say that uh, makes a bit more sense. Yeah. Hey, have you heard of this new Japanese film? It's about a whole bunch of high school kids killing each other. Yeah, I definitely didn't see it until it appeared on DVD. Yeah. Yeah, same here. I don't even remember when I saw it, but yeah. So, so yeah. are we are we saying uh, how many of us here is it that uh, have seen it for the first time? Me. Pat's, I think, the only one. Really? Well, oh yeah, I've seen this a ton of times. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Pat's the only one that's never seen it before. I I have the DVD special edition, so this uh, might be my third time. Maybe might be my fourth. I'm not sure. I'm around the same as Joel. Where I had forgotten how much I liked this film. And yeah, there's some very, very Japanese stuff. The uh, kind of musings that appear in text as scene breaks Mm -hmm. is very uh, like straight out of anime or Japanese video games. Uh, Not unwelcome, but definitely something that sets it apart from what we're used to in our films. Yeah, definitely not. uh, Like when when I was I actually watched this with uh, Sophie, my 14 year old, and she was kind of like thrown. I don't say thrown off, but kind of like, why are they doing these? commentary in the middle of the movie one yeah, almost like little bits of poetry that wants you to reflect on the meaning of the scene immediately before they appear mm-hmm. yeah that that's a good way of describing it or in some cases closing out the scene that you just saw um here's the thing battle royale 15 percent unemployment rate kids in high school are disillusioned let's kill them is the next step well it's not only let's kill them let's kill the wrong kids they're like 800,000 kids dropped out of school. So what are we going to do? We're going to kill the school kids that are left. Right. I, and that's and that's one of the things that Sophie said. She's like, if they randomly choose a class from school, why would anybody go to school? It just Which, that's that's a reasonable criticism. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you could make the argument that all of the kids that are out uh, committing crimes probably originally started at a school and they're picking ninth grade classes. Yeah. But it, it highly di- uh, disincentivizes attending school. That yeah, is pretty, pretty sure at eighth grade, the graduation from eighth grade would be the end. Everybody's like, okay, we're done. Yeah. Well, I mean, just look at, um, uh, what was his name? The one kid that, that did after he, uh, cut, uh, Takeshi Katano's rear end and then he disappeared and he got talked into coming back for the class trip. No boo. Yeah, I mean, he essentially did just that. He's like, okay, I'm checking out. So if he wouldn't have came back, he wouldn't be dead now. Well, and the class trip is a big deal in Japanese education. Oh, yeah. That's just one of those things that if I had not played a bunch of video games and watched a bunch of anime, I would never have known about. See, the thing is, I'm like, if even if they said, hey, we got a class trip. We're going on this class trip. It's going to be awesome. The whole class is getting together. We're going on that class trip. You have a one-tenth of a tenth percent that you're all going to be put on an island to kill each other. Like, you know, even that <laughs> is a kinda, little too high of a risk. Yeah. You know, they're going to gas you on a bus. I mean, if anybody of you have not seen this movie, uh, imagine a school bus full of ninth graders going on a trip, all screaming and yelling, having a good time. They all get gassed, show up in a classroom where they're told they are now going to be let loose on a abandoned island they have three days to kill each other to the last standing person or everybody dies or everybody dies because they all have the uh crazy pants uh uh collars on they all have the neck collar mcguffin yeah they yeah. have okay. collars 
Yeah, exploding clouds with microphones in them. Um, and GPS trackers. And GPS trackers, yes. And they, they shoot lasers out of their eyes. Yes. No, that's not a thing. Oh, no. All right. And so, you can't leave or fight back because there's military with guns at every... Yeah. And, keeping you in line. Now, yeah. what I find real interesting about this is yeah, a couple of things. Like, they're disrespectful towards adults, but most of them aren't delinquents. Like, they're a fairly normal, I would say... 99% of them are better behaved than the students I deal with daily. Yeah, I mean, they're a bunch of jackasses. I mean, except for the one who literally slashed the uh, ass of the teacher a year before, which that was kind of a weird subplot of the whole, oh, I kept the knife that so-and-so stabbed you with in my desk. Please don't tell anyone. Yeah, that was a little... A little strange. Some, okay. some, it, it, there were several times where you're watching this movie that you just reminded Jap that Japan is kind of a strange place. Well, and I almost wonder if that was kind of a thing where this was the event that took her favorite teacher out of her life. And if there isn't a whole lot of sentimentality in school. So this is an object that actually has some connection to that day. True. And it's weird that she keeps it, but that's why. Yeah. Also... A lot more conversation about having periods than I was expecting. <laughs> well, well, and definitely they don't let the fact that they're all going to die in three days slow all of their crushes down. No, there is a lot of do you want to die a virgin type stuff. Or like uh, girls like in the middle of trying to survive worrying about who likes which boy. Which actually, I think, it adds to the charm of the movie, even if it's not necessarily 100% realistic. Well, but it also adds to the tension between characters. Oh, um, for sure. Because of, you know, you took my boy, or I forget, the one girl that's kind of the, the slutty girl, and the other girl finds her. And, uh, yeah, the one that was always the outcast. Right. And, and I, Yeah, the I, bad girl of, this, of the class. Which, when they allude to her backstory, it's no wonder... Yep. She was messed up. Oh, the one with the the one who sold whom whose mom sold her to the pervert? Yes. Yeah, Mitsuko. Yeah. I don't think he was a pervert. He was just a friendly guy. <laughs> he liked to take <laughs> pictures and play with Barbies. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That was another I moment. I like to play with like some action figures every now and then. I'm I'm telling you right now that well, we were watching that. Sophie at that scene, Sophie turned to me and she's like what the hell is going on? <laughs> what are we watching? I'm just, and, and how do you say, don't worry, nothing's going to happen. Okay, I trust and you. And then she murders the guy. And then she murders the guy, yeah. Which, yeah, but it's it's just pushing him down the stairs. Honestly, it was the best situation that could have occur occurred at that point. It's, a better, it's better than the alternative, for sure. Yeah, oh, indeed. Yeah. And it basically all of the scenes showing her in the flashbacks give you a little bit of sympathy. I mean, she's definitely kind of an awful person. She takes to the Lord of the Flies scenario and is just like, so what? Life is awful. I, I never really liked any of you anyway. I'm going to win. Yeah. And then, of course, you get the two previous winner or players. I don't and think the one, one guy was a previous player. He just said that he volunteered to join in. Yeah, yeah, he was a psychopath that uh, signed up voluntarily. Yeah, the yeah crazy he was not head. a repeat player. Oh, I thought he was a repeat player that volunteered to come back. No, the other guy was a repeat was a repeater. Um, speaking of crazy redhead guy, I just want to know how many bullets did he have in that gun? Well, you see him oh, reloading from clips. Uh, that bag a couple apparently of times. was full of clips. For sure. Like, so the gang that uh, he took the gun from 
somebody just hit the freaking jackpot where they got a machine gun and like 15 clips and, and somebody else gets a pot lid. Yeah. yeah. Right. And somebody else got to get a GPS monitor. Well, okay. Which you actually know, was neat. Yeah. The GPS yeah. monitor, I think was honestly, it's if, no good on its own, but you could be a definite part, good part of a team with that. Well, I mean, or you just kill one guy and take their weapon and all of a sudden you're dangerous. Yeah. yeah. That's true. You get that gun and you know where everybody else is, or you just get that gun and stay the fuck away from everybody. Right. They use and, it to be the last man standing. Hiding and that's, would never work because if you're hiding, yeah. you know, you get down to the two people, he somebody else kills everybody, and then suddenly the time's up and you both die. And you can definitely see the like random inventory and taking the inventory off of dead people, why this inspired so many video games. That was one of the things that I, I hate to keep going back to Sophie watching this, but when she she started watching it, she's like, finally, a movie where somebody kills someone and then loots their body. Oh, yeah. I mean, Fortnite is the biggest game on the planet right now, and there's a direct lineage from this film to Fortnite. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, it was just the, it was like, a finally, you know, for once, someone does what they're expected to do. You kill someone, you take their shit, and you keep moving. Absolutely. <laughs> That's how I operate. Your daughter's going to rule the apocalypse. I'm, I'm, I won't lie. I'm kind of afraid of my daughter and the potential that's going on at this point because she's kind of like got this like was not the person that I was expecting to have as a daughter years ago. Patrick can verify this. Yep. But now suddenly she's I'm really kind of concerned that she might have like a Dr. Evil streak in her. So now she's like an Amazon warrior. Yeah. Just yeah. be glad there's no loading. Yeah. Right. Don't save and load feature. <laughs> wow. Um, but anyway, yes. But no, I mean, it's this is a. a this is a good movie. One thing that really kind of took me out of it, though, was the music. Not so much the classical scenes, like when he's making the announcements and they have the classical music playing, but yeah. this is by Toy, the people who did Godzilla, and it seemed like a lot of the music that they used in between the scenes, in between the classical scenes, was ripped like from the cutting room floor of previous Godzilla movies. Not, I was <laughs> not a big fan of the soundtrack. Huh. I can't oh, say I really noticed, noticed it. it. Yeah. I didn't really notice either. It didn't take me out. Hmm. No. That's interesting. The three of us didn't really pick up on it. What I can't remember, because I saw this originally, the non-special edition version, is how many of the before, like their life before scenes, were actually in the first cut. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't remember quite as much of a focus on the basketball game, where by the end of the film, basketball flashbacks, you can identify... Every single one of the characters somewhere in the scene. Most of the boys on the team, many of the girls in the stands or uh, in the cheerleaders. cheerleaders. Yeah. Yeah. See, it's been so long since I've seen it that I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember anything that glaringly jumped out at me, except I'd completely forgotten how it ended. Yeah. I remembered most of the ending, though. I was confusing characters from Battle Royale 1 and Battle Royale 2, which is not as good. Um, Battle Royale 2 is on Netflix and I wanted to watch to get watch it to get some sort of closure to I was I'm expecting it to have some sort of like why the government decided that killing one ninth grade class every year is going to keep everybody else in line. And how that's what, keep everybody in line when they don't I mean they didn't even know about it. That, that's the thing. It's like you don't know about it until the very end when the, like in the very beginning of the movie you have that one kid who comes out covered in blood. And like, oh, she's a final survivor, hugging the little teddy bear. And that's all you hear about her. You don't really actually know 
how much I mean, the public not knows about anybody, it. You know, they're not they're not televising any of this. They're not showing. You know, it's just all they do is you know, oh, we took a class and this is the survivor. Yeah, we and got- well, and probably the adults who watch the news and read the newspapers know about the law, but the teenagers don't care about that stuff, so they've probably never even heard of it. Yeah, and at would the same, imagine you would hear that. Another one of the f- weird phrases that came out of this is, "You have been chosen for the battle royal project. Your parents have been notified." What? <laughs> like, how is this a how is this a logical response to fifteen percent unemployment? There's there's a bit more world building in the second one. Okay, but if you're expecting resolution, you'll walk away disappointed. Ah, uh, ah, uh, yeah. I mean, the second one is basically a group of boys and girls who are paired up where their collars are linked to one another, where if one dies, the other one, one's collar explodes. They're pressed into service to uh, do basically a paramilitary operation against a terrorist group led by former survivors of battle royales, including the characters from this one. See, no, that's, that has so much potential. Yeah. The execution was very strange. Hmm. And one of the characters is the daughter of Kitano Sensei. Oh, the one okay. he talked to on the phone? Yes, yes. The one you hear on the phone, she she actually appears as one of the main characters in the second film. Oh, oh really? Yeah. That's kind of cool. Uh, you'd think so. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I'm like, thinking okay. this movie is better in my head than it is in actual... Uh... You are 100% correct on that. All right. So, Pat, first time viewing, what's your thoughts? Yes. Um, it was a little bit, um, awesome, a little bit awesome, a little bit hokey, a little bit, um, a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll. I knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? I, I can't decide how I really feel about it. I mean, I liked it and I didn't at the same time. Um, I think maybe just to kind of expand on that thought while you're putting yours together real quick before I forget. I think one of the things that bothered me about it is that there were times where it felt like a movie of the week where the blood was really obviously not, there weren't any bullet holes, there weren't knife wounds, there was just like this little blood stain. And then there were other times where it was full on CG or or practical effects where things were exploding and it got pretty graphic. And I could, it felt like they couldn't decide which movie they were making or the budget. Yeah, it definitely felt off. uneven in its in its gore. Yeah. They couldn't they couldn't decide if they wanted to be, you know, Evil Dead or if they wanted to be um Goonies. <laughs> yeah, I think they definitely wanted a few graphic shots to shock you with the violence, but it was more about like what do these kids do? I, I thought it was really cool that different groups had different strategies and they broke down for different reasons. Like, honestly, if the psychopath doesn't show up, the little paramilitary group who's got the hacker and they've got the bombs and the Mol- Molotov cocktails, they have a pretty good shot of surprising and taking out the soldiers before the soldiers even know they're coming. Oh, yeah. I was really impressed with the whole. I mean, one, the guy discovering that there's microphones in there and typing everything out to everybody, the hacking of the system and teaching them how to build a bomb to send into them, I think was fantastic i mean that's i think they should have left all i think he i don't think he should have set off that bomb he should have just left it all for the next group to find and maybe they could move on with well i think he could do the numbers and knew that his best shot of taking out the psycho that's going to kill him is setting off the bomb i think he expected it to do more than blind him yeah i think he hoped to take him out with him considering i I understand but i mean i was just thinking like bigger picture like 
you should probably save that for the next group to try to take down the. Well, when I the first time I saw this, I I was hoping that they would have been successful with the bomb to see what would have happened, but yeah, like they would have actually pulled it off, but like Takeshi Katana would have survived and things would have went on or something. But you, you know, know like every Brian time you say Takeshi, I briefly think you're gonna say Takeshi. Uh, Takeo Ishii, their Yorl Casanova, which I think the Yorl Casanova would be amazing in this movie. But that's just me. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, Pat, so you were saying it was uneven and anything else? Um, I did. I mean, it it was an interesting concept. I mean, I could definitely see where, you know, where it inspired a lot of different things, you know, but it was just a little bit. uh, The whole thing was really just kind of uneven, and it seemed like they didn't really know how they wanted to end it they like they had i watched the special edition version so it had all the different requiems and stuff at the end and it just you know it kind of felt started to feel like the hobbit for a little or not the hobbit the last of the uh last of the mohicans no return of the king (laughs) yeah return of the king with all the false endings and everything and i'm like all right okay yeah but i mean the whole i don't know it was it was a nice twist that he figured out how to disable his collar but they, uh, that was another thing. They didn't really even do anything with it. Yeah. Like what, I mean, until until he, you know, pointed the remote at him to use it, they ne- it never came into effect that he disabled his collar. Well, he wasn't, he, he was sure he was going to live, which is the reason why he actually grouped up with two others, because he had nothing to lose. Right. And mm-hmm. whether he lives or dies was not really his purpose of being there. He wanted to find out, like, why the curious emotional thing that happened at the end of the last game, why that could ever happen. And for that, he kind of had to ally himself with a couple other people. True. Uh, a couple, literally. Yeah. Cause yeah. literally, yeah, literally a, a, a couple. Yeah. So he's observing them to see if their actions can shed any light on the thing that's been eating him up alive. And then you've got Kitano sensei, who's got this creepy obsession with the girl who's better than his own daughter. And he's, not willing to completely throw the game to her, but he steps in a couple times to try and push her, give her a better shot of getting out. The whole, hey, what you While doing? Cookies. Here, have an umbrella. <laughs> right. And then disappear into the forest. I thought that was going to be like some kind of, you know, illusion or hallucination or something, but no, no, he just showed up to give her an umbrella. Yeah, no, umbrella. That's a very Takeshi Katana thing to do, though. The because he's an odd duck, and and then uh, eating all the cookies. That true. Nice That's, the scene when he got up and answered the phone, <laughs> and then ate the last cookie. I was like, okay, that was a little much, but it was kind of funny. So and it was oh, hilarious because there's that long shot of all the kids looking at him, expecting him to get up again. <laughs> mm-hmm. I will say this: that if I am ever in this situation, and a group of Japanese girls say, "Hey, let's go hole up in the lighthouse." And just pretend nothing's happening. Fuck that shit. That went <laughs> yeah. south real quick. So yeah. fast. As the paranoia just ate them up and they just start shooting at each other. Yeah, that got pretty violent pretty quick. Yeah, so those of you who haven't seen it, so there's they save one of the boys from the beach. This is the same boy that another girl saw accidentally kill one of his classmates with an axe as they were yeah, rolling. the lead. Yeah, falling down a hill, and the, the kid gets killed by an axe. Kind of cheesily, but yeah, whatever. So she's afraid of him, and they're going to bring him lunch because he's upstairs healing. No, she was in love with him. Was she in love with she him? She was in love with the boy that died. 
Oh, oh she was killed. in love with the boy that died. Yeah, so and then she wanted she was to get gonna, revenge. Yeah, she was a revenge killing for the guy who she thought killed him. And so she puts poison in some of the pasta, and then one of the other girls eats it, takes it and eats it, and then she starts vomiting blood everywhere, and everything goes to hell. I mean, then you quickly have guns being shot out, and you... It turns into a, a Quentin Tarantino film. Yeah. Don't you point that gun at my dad. <laughs> Yeah, definitely that whole scene. And it was neat. They all had their different reasons for suspecting one another, but they go from being giggly and happy friends to like everybody's dead in the span of about 45 seconds. So they went from happy friends to happy tree friends. Yeah, exactly. And then it goes from that to that. And then it's one of those, um, uh, the one girl climbs up to the top of the uh, tower and throws herself off. The one that that actually did the poisoning to begin with. Yeah, the one who started this shit, you know, it's what the hell? Yeah, and there were a couple of kids who their whole reaction to the game was, fuck this, we're not going to play. There were, I think, four suicides. Yeah, I was amazed at how quickly the one one character seemed like a main character, and then, nope, they just jumped off the the cliff. I'm like, okay, well, I guess we're moving on. Yeah. Well, one of the things that caught me off guard the first time I saw this was the first time you leave the building as a viewer, the very first thing that you see is people getting killed immediately. Like yeah, the girl no, with the arrow, the crossbow bolt through her throat. Yeah. Yeah. There's no running to safety. That's just like, screw it. We're just going to start right now. And, and I don't know why one of the guys like, like um, the, the psychopath assassin guy didn't just stand at the entrance and just mow people down as they came out. That's a good question. I was just thinking that same thing. Probably a little too easy for him. I think he enjoyed the uh, hunt. Yeah, you're probably right. He was, one of those, you know, most dangerous game kind of guys. And yeah. his starting weapon was shit, if you recall. He ended up, I, I forget what he had. Oh, he had a fan. He had a paper oh, fan. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He didn't get the machine gun until he took it off of five guys who were uh, surrounding him, who still didn't quite believe everything was real. Yep, that's right. Yeah, if he'd had something more than the paper fan, maybe there would have been more deaths at the I beginning. Mean, how How fucked up is that? Oh, I'm in this fight to the death. Oh, my God, what weapon did I get? I got a fan. Right. Oh, good. I'll trade you for the pot lid. Well, in, yeah, in his fan defense. dude made it to Final Four. Yeah, and the pot lid actually helped out with a Psycho Axe Kid coming at, at him. Yes, but if you had if you had given the, the fan to the fat kid instead of the crossbow, he probably would not have fared as well. That's true. But he would have stayed cool, relatively speaking. Well, he was fat. But he had a fan. Right. <laughs> The hell are we talking about? I did like the scene where they hit the the guy threw the head in through the window with a grenade in its mouth. That was kind of cool. That was pretty damn cool. Yes, it was. Yeah, you've got all these little groups doing their different things and the love triangles and the misunderstandings, and you've basically got a serial killer straight out of like a slasher flick, right? Just, just picking them off one by one. And enjoying himself. I'd be pissed if I was in that class. I'm like, this guy isn't even in our class. We shouldn't have to fade him. True. <laughs> well, you know, there's always one student who does most of the work in the group projects. <laughs> That's a very good point. Why do I have to do all the killing all the time? <laughs> yeah, some of you didn't pull your weight. You just showed up and jumped off a bridge. <laughs> well, and You know, despite how kind of messed up the whole scenario is, something that's even messed, more messed up than that is the video that they have to watch. Right. Yeah. What was up? Hata. Yeah. You're all going to die, but I'm super happy. <laughs> she was so cheery about it all. 
Thanks, yeah, Japan. But we see something. I don't know that we can say that's all just Japan because you look at the Running Man and there's some pretty like over the top, super happy stuff in that too. Like, like the dancers. Yeah, it's twisted, but it's twisted yeah. within the genre. The Running Man Home Edition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it makes sense in terms of the the world that you're in, but it's still it's kind of messed up how happy she is, and I mean, she's happy because she's not getting killed. So true that. Yeah, she gets to wear the a non-explodey necklace is just a fashion accessory. Right. How sick is that? If that like that that became an actual fashion accessory in their society. That's kind of messed up. Yeah, I, that kind of shit. Yeah, I mean, you look at uh, other films that do take this in a different direction, like the Purge series. It, similar thing. You've got massive social problems, and like, let's turn to murder to try and relieve it. <laughs> Have you tried murdering everybody? No. Yes, and it did not satisfy me. Is that like turning it on and off again? Yeah, but you're just turning it off. But yeah, I'm a little turned on. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. (laughs) All right. On that note, I think we're done for this because I I don't want a Josh walking around with an awkward boner. (laughs) Again. It may not be awkward for him, but it's awkward for us. Um, Truth. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be back in a little bit, and we're going to talk about The Hunger Games, which is a, uh independent movie that was released in 2012. Maybe you've heard of it. You might have heard of it. Yeah, I think it, they actually uh, continued with the series a little while. So, uh, yeah, we'll be back talking about that, and uh, Josh will come back, and his pants will fit better. Yay! Murder. All right, we're back, and we're going to talk about The Hunger Games 2012. Uh, So Katniss Everdeen voluntarily takes her younger sister's place in The Hunger Games, a televised competition in which teenagers from each of the 12 districts of Panem are chosen at random to fight to the death. This was a little popular. This was a thing. I had three taglines, The World Will Be Watching, May the odds be ever in your favor, which became like the phrase for any, uh, all the fandom in this movie. And the games will change everyone. So this is, yeah, I know. This is directed by Gary Ross, who did such things as Big, Seabiscuit, and Pleasantville. He didn't. He was a writer on all those. Yeah. He directed Pleasantville, though. Yeah, he did. Uh, Director, he did uh, Free State of Jones. Um, Hunger Games, Sea Biscuit, and Pleasantville. He was a director on those also, but he also wrote it. Um, this is screenplay Suzanne Collins and worked with Billy Ray. Uh, Suzanne Collins, if you don't know, if you have been under a rock for the last 15 plus years, she's the one who wrote the uh, trilogy of Hunger Games books. Billy Ray is uh, he's a writer and has done such things as Shattered Glass, Captain Phillips, uh, Achy Breaky Heart. Yeah. Achy uh, Breaky Heart. Wait, what? <laughs> Wrong Billy Ray. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Totally threw me, man. Uh, also, did a. Orange Glow Cleaners? A, <laughs> stop. That's um, Billy Maze? Yes. Earth 2. 19- Stealing Bases. Yes. Hearts War. He did the screenplay. He did a bunch of stuff. Uh, this is. Billy Mays. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Willie Mays. Sorry. <laughs> um, Jennifer Lawrence is in this. Was this her first? Uh-uh. No, no. Winter's Bone was her first. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. This was her breakout this, role for sure. This made her. This is her first blockbuster. Yeah. Yeah, this is the one that put her on the map, type of thing. Uh, so Jennifer Lawrence as Katniss Everdeen, Josh Hutcherson as Peta the Baker Mellark, Liam Hensworth, Thor's brother, as Gail Hawthorne. <laughs> one of the other Hemsworth. There's yeah. a bunch of them. Yeah, there's a bunch of them out there. Woody Harrelson picking up the slack as Hamish. Elizabeth Banks as Effie Trinket, which they... Proving act- she can truly do anything. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. They, I mean, Elizabeth Banks... I, 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 the first time I saw this, I was not aware that was Elizabeth Banks until someone actually told me. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Lenny Kravitz as Cinna. Stanley Tucci eating up the scenery as Caesar Flickerman. <laughs> How could you not with those teeth? Oh, my God. Stanley Tucci was amazing in this. Uh, Donald Sutherland, amazingly, as President Snow. Wes uh, Anderson. Yeah. Every time I hear him do orange juice commercials, I'm creeped out now. <laughs> <laughs> Josh drinks orange juice just as he's afraid he's going to wind up in the Hunger Games if he doesn't. Right. Uh, Wes Bentley as Seneca Crane. Toby Jones as Claudius Templesmith. Alexander Ludwig as Cato, Isabel Furman as Clove, Amanda Stern- Steinberg as Rue, Jacqueline Emerson as Foxface, Jack Quaid as Marvel, Levin, Get- Levin Rambin, that's hard to say, as Glimmer, Dio Okanishi, Okani as Thresh, Willow Okaniti, yeah. uh, Willow Shields as Primrose Everdeen, and Paula McCalmson as Mrs. Everdeen. So. Uh, I, uh, first time I saw this when Cinna came out for the first time, I, I had that kind of like clash of media stars, I guess is the best way to put it. I was sitting there watching, damn, that guy looks a lot like Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like finally to the end of the movie, like, God damn, that was Lenny Kravitz. And who yeah. knew he could act? First time I saw it when he first appeared on screen, I'm like, yeah, is that fucking Lenny Kravitz? <laughs> I know, right? Um, so well, some... I mean, to be fair, he was in Precious, like, a few years before this. Mm. So, like, it, this isn't, like, out of nowhere. That yeah. He, but... yeah. Without no, I'm his not drummer against anybody the... even having the first role as anything. It just, it just surprised me. I didn't. I had no idea he even wanted to be an actor. Well, For sure. Without his drummer with the giant afro, he's hard to spot. And his amazing splitting pants. <laughs> yeah. Right. And his funky sunglasses. True. Uh, so, some trivia. There was a swear jar on the set. Co-writer and director Gary Ross said that half of the money in that jar was contributed by Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> in all honesty, for what she was put through in this movie, I could see, yeah, that I can go with that. And you listen to her in interviews, that totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence was paid what was, for her at the time, a high fee of $500,000 for this movie. It took her three days before she accepted the role because she was unsure how the role would clearly affect her career, since her background was pretty much indie films. Uh, the For The Hunger Games Catching Fire, the sequel in 2013, she was paid $10 million, 20 times more than the initial offer. So good move, Jennifer. Wow. That's... And her career really hasn't suffered. Nope. No. She's been in a lot of good movies. Yeah, um... Oh man, what's the one with the dancing? La La Land? Uh, no, um, um oh my god. Her. Yeah, she's um, not in that. No. Are you serious? With Bradley Cooper. Um, yeah. Uh, oh some, something club. Uh, so not plan- uh, playbook. Silver Linings Playbook. Silver Linings Playbook, yeah. Yeah, uh, just. An American Hustle. Yeah. But Silver Linings, Excellent. she was. I mean, that was a lot better than I was expecting it to be. Yep. I uh, agree with that. 
And then, but then at the same time, before this, everyone knew her as Mystique. Yep. Took over for Rebecca Romaine. Mm hmm. Lettuce. Well, I don't know about took over. Well, she. It was the side reboot. Mm hmm. She played the younger Mystique. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't so much a recasting as a because they did the alternate younger versions of like all of the characters basically. And she is currently in post production for X Men Dark Phoenix, which I'm kind of excited about, and then something called Bad Blood, where she uh, plays Elizabeth Holmes. So, <clears throat> was this a first viewing? Oh, I'm sorry, more trivia. Uh, since Jennifer Lawrence is friends with Lenny Kravitz's daughter Zoe Kravitz, she couldn't get herself to use her use his first name instead she called him mr kravitz from the first day on uh lenny quickly found out that the rest of the cast and crew also started to call him mr kravitz because jennifer lawrence did <laughs> which is funny that is funny yeah so uh panem uh we actually had this discussion while watching this is is located in a post-apocalyptic north america whose land mass has been reduced by rising sea levels generally agreed that the capital is in the Rocky Mountains, possibly Colorado, and that District 12 is where Katniss grew up, is somewhere in the Appalachian Mountains, possibly Kentucky or West Virginia. Would make sense with the coal mines, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, comparison between the two. Well, you asked about first viewing. Oh, this yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Is this the first viewing for anybody? Me. Really? Wow. I've, I've seen bits and pieces of it because it was a big movie around the house. Like it was on, all of them were on repeat uh, a lot. So I've seen bits and pieces of all of them, but I've never seen one in its entirety. Any of them. Huh. So I just finished it today. I watched the first half last night and then I watched the rest today. Hmm. I know when this was going to come out as a movie, um, I had an initial kind of negative impression because I had heard that it was, uh, a lot of people were calling it a Battle Royale ripoff. I was a big fan of Battle Royale. And my impression was it was basically Battle Royale meets Twilight. And while I, that's an unfair but not 100% inaccurate comparison, it's not quite as sappy and young adult novel as the Twilight series, but there's a little bit of that. And uh, at Sarah's insistence, I read the first book and I was like, okay. Uh, we're going to see the movie. And we saw the first one in the theater pretty close to opening night. Okay. So what what did you think? What was your, were your expectations blown? Well, no, like I l ended up liking the books enough where I blazed through the trilogy in a couple of days. And so I was kind of excited for the movie and I was pretty happy with the way they handled it. My friend Billy was, uh, it was a big fan of the Hunger Games books uh, before they even made the movies. And when they went to make the movie, she was all excited and told me all about it, said I should read the books. Never have, but we went to see the movie together when it came out, probably about a week after it opened. And she and liked I, it. She liked, she she thought it was a fairly decent adaptation. I fell into the camp that Josh did because um, I, I saw some interviews with Suzanne. Uh, was that her name? Suzanne Collins. Did I get that right? Mm -hmm. um, where she was talking about how her inspiration was she was watching inf um uh, reality television and news footage of, you know, war zones. And that's where she came up with the idea, but it always felt like one part running man, one part battle Royale, one part teen angsty drama romance thing. So I was like, and it was so big here. I just, it was like, I don't want to watch it with those eyes. So I was waiting for a time when it kind of died down to see it. Cause I, you guys have recommended it a couple times, 
So it gave me the chance to finally sit down and see it after everything's kind of blown over. I'm glad because this has become a staple. Like you say, at your house, it's on repeat along with like Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Harry Potter. Um, I'm trying to think of the other things that like when they're on marathon, they're frequently just on a TV in the house somewhere. Lord of the Rings. This is another one where I've probably seen the entire trilogy seven or eight times just because it's on the TV. Mm-hmm. What about you, Mike? Uh, I have two teenage daughters, so this is not even <laughs> nearly the first time I've seen this movie. Uh, we, uh, strangely enough, don't own this movie at all, which is kind of confusing to me because when they, anytime it comes on, it remains on until it's finished. Um, went to go check it out from the library. I kind of screwed up because I went to the library and I grabbed Hunger Games Part 1 and missed the whole Mockingjay thing which is actually part one of the third movie. They broke up the third. It's kind of like a Lord a Hobbit type thing. They broke up the third movie into two parts. And I watched Mockingjay for like 20 minutes, assuming that it was going to be like a flashback scene that takes it like kind of like that circular storytelling. Oh, wow. Yeah, that must have been confusing. It was confusing as hell. Because I'm like, yeah. oh, she's in a hospital. Okay, then they're going to tell about, you know, because I haven't, I, I mean, even though my kids watch it, I have not sat down and watched it in years. Um, but it was one of those like, oh, it's a flashback. That's what's happening. <laughs> I don't recognize anything that's going on. Why is she not at home? Why are all these people here? Why is she suddenly in like this rebel thing? Okay, eventually they're going to go back and talk about the first thing. Shit, I'm on the third movie. So, Oops. yep. Yeah, I went to the library and just checked out all of them. And then uh, Sophie's been upstairs watching all of them over and over and over again. Well, what's kind of interesting is is the crossover uh, potential that the film had because here um, Isaiah was one of the big. He read the books and has watched the movie several times, um, and he really enjoyed them. It it actually prompted him to read the Divergent series and the Maze Runner series too. So that, that seems to be the progression. Yeah. You know, if you if you liked if you liked Hunger Games, Divergent is kind of like your I don't I don't even know. It's kind of like a little bit less cracky than the Hunger Games. In general, it's a little less well polished. It borrows leans even more heavily on Harry Potter, where like they're all sorted into teams. Yeah. And uh, Divergent is one where Sarah reluctantly finished it. She had me sit down and watch the first one. She's like, if you don't love this, you probably shouldn't continue. And I, I thought it was okay. Yeah, it's it's okay. I mean, again, it's one of those where uh, the kids have actually bought the books, and they they're definitely in the books are better than the movie type thing. Now, when we talk about these in comparison, um, the only real big similarities between the two that I found were the general idea of kids killing kids for the sake of a greater good, or something along those lines. And then the vague, vague romance element, which in the, the hunger games, it's that's a little bit, well, that's what it, saved their lives. Right. But it was almost like it was, it was, he really did love her, but it was kind of forced upon them. And she took advantage of it because it, it kept her alive and him. Um, even though I think she has feelings, I don't know. Cause I don't know the story or anything, but um, obviously she's in love with, with Thor's brother. Uh, I don't was. think that's as obvious. <laughs> well, it, that becomes that's, increasingly less and less obvious, and it becomes more confusing as the series goes on. That as was my takeaway. Yeah, as teenage relationships do. 
but outside of that, that's where kind of the comparisons end. I mean, I didn't see, like I said, I, I felt more of a kinship with Running Man than I did with Battle Royale. Well, and I kind of think that the series goes in similar directions where you've got this program where there's supposed to be one winner. Otherwise, the kids are all supposed to kill each other. One gets out. And then the second one in both Battle Royale and uh, the Hunger Games, it starts sort of the same way and becomes about a revolution by the end of it. But you get a slight taste of that when she does the little salute and everybody goes crazy and starts rioting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually started making a comparison between Battle Royale and Hunger Games when I was watching the movies. And, you know, Battle Royale, unemployment is the reason everything starts happening. This one, they quill an uprising and then force you to sacrifice your children. Well, yes. And there isn't really enough food to go around. At least that's what they say. But the capital is eating stuffing themselves like pigs and getting into this crazy debauchery while they're telling everyone how difficult life is. Oh yeah. I mean, it's complete fascist state. I mean, you, the, the whole situation there is, is ridiculous. Um, one thing I did find was a little bit less twisted in hunger games than they were in battle Royale was the fact that you've got two people from each uh, district that and you kind you you may not know who the other person is depending on the size of the district whereas battle royale these are the, these are the kids that you grew up with for sure you know you may not even know who the other um what what's what are that what are they pledges 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 yes. something like that Tribute? yes, tributes they are definitely pledged. yeah you oh, may tribute. not yeah you may not even know who the other tribute is in hunger games but in Battle Royale, which is a little bit more sick and twisted, is these are people that you've known for the last eight years and grown up with and played with and hung out with for the last, you know, for your entire school life. But at the well, same... And, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that the purpose of the games is definitely different. This mm-hmm. is a tool of control where the other one, I guess, still sort of is, but... I, I almost uh, think very ineffectively. In yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is I think that the hunger games is a little bit more effective as a tool of social control than battle Royale law could ever be. Because I think the reason of that is, is outside of the class, the teacher and the parents, no one, it seemed like in least in battle Royale, nobody knew what was going on until the end. Well, and I think that's part of that battle Royale was, uh, adapted from a novel and they had to leave a lot of the political allegory outside the Royale itself out on the cutting room floor. Mm-hmm. Well, and you talk about sick and twisted. I almost think that the, uh, Wes Bentley's character in the hunger games and his crew were a little bit more twisted than even the battle Royale guys, because he's literally throwing fireballs at Katniss and they're sicking dogs on them in strategic areas where they're going to do the most damage. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're literally um, driving them. Uh, they, con- they constantly interfere. Right. It's yeah. not like it's a game between the, the players. It's they're, they're like, okay, well, if this isn't working, then we're going to go ahead and, and try and do it ourselves. Whereas yeah, the, Even the people watching interfere. They send gifts and stuff. They send well, and that's, that's the big difference between these is whereas Battle Royale is run once and randomly picked, this is like the Super Bowl. There's sponsors. There's an industry. There's a cultural thing. It's a media event. Um, it's it, 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 it's a, it's a much better, more formed world than than Battle Royale for sure. 
Mm-hmm. It's got structure. It's got rules. It's got you know cause and effect, and it's got a dry a, a driving force in snow. And uh, later you find out more. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely a much better world, much more panned out. Yeah. And I'm gonna toss this out there, and I'm not sure how people are gonna react to this, but in the at least in the first movie. Gener- oh no, you didn't. Oh, <laughs> Let him finish. I'm breaking Sorry. a bottle and coming after you, man. I'll be there in 17 <laughs> hours. Um, Jennifer Lawrence is not as good as an actor as everybody makes her to be. But when you surround her with Stanley Tucci, when you surround her with um all these great actors, you 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 put her across from Woody Harrelson and from uh uh Donald Sutherland. She seems better. I just, I was not in, in the movies that I've seen her re, in her recently, and I know it's all growth as an actress, but I, I do not think she was as good as an actress as everybody put on that she was in this movie. She's, she's a male Charles Charles Bronson. No, oh. see, I, I, and I, I completely disagree with Mike, but I've seen a lot of her indie stuff where she isn't kind of propped up in front of the camera in these blockbuster epics. And she's got a lot of talent when she's got those more intimate projects. Like yeah, she's, she's definitely got talent. Yeah. Okay. I, I was just, I was just riffing on the whole thing. We talked about how Charles Bronson was better in ensembles. Sure. Um, well, uh, one other thing I wanted to say about the uh, kind of controlling the atmosphere or the uh, environment. I forgot about the fact that in Battle Royale, they shut down certain areas. They never so, really use that. Why? Why do they even go through all that? They never use the danger zones. In I mean, they still want to make the kids move around, so the game actually doesn't always end in them all exploding. But they it seemed like didn't they even have danger zones. They just did it to make sure they moved around. It seemed like with that uh, device, plot device, though, that I kept expecting them to drive the kids into one area, like push them towards each other. Mm-hmm. But they just kind of made it. Yeah, it was kind of a throwaway almost. That, they really you know, never used any of those. Where, like in Fortnite, where you know when they have the those areas, if you're in those areas, you're in trouble. Here, they really didn't. They talked about it, but they never ended up in one of them. And well, they kind of did that in uh, Catching Fire when they brought all the winners back into the arena again, where they had like the the clock face in the arena as everything moved along. You had to keep moving, otherwise, you know the the crazy monkeys would get you. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I was taking a little bit of a look uh, at the novel for Battle Royale. I know we're kind of going back to Act 1, but it looks like the programs were very similar in terms of like the military wanting to instill t- uh, terror and distrust basically in all of Japan's citizens to stop any attempts of rebellion because you don't know uh, if you're going to grow up and have to kill your friend. Like it's a, a total fascist society that does this specifically to mess with people in their developmental years so that they'll, there will never be a rebellion. So in that way, they're actually pretty similar. Hmm. And see, that would have been something that would have been interesting to include as the world building to, to throw that in there somewhere. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, apparently the author of the uh, book, uh, did not think that the director of the film uh, saw his vision the same way as he did. I would agree with that. And I haven't even read the book. Yeah. So there's that. But, uh, you know, for being a first time viewing and, and sitting on it long enough that the, you know, the fervor had died down. I enjoyed it. I I don't know if I would, I don't know if I'd watch it again, but I'm half tempted to watch the other three films 
and see if that changes my thoughts on it. I've seen the first two, I think. Two or three. I can't remember how many of them I've seen. I mean, they're all good. All. And I actually think that the fourth film is better than the ending of the third book. Hmm. Like, a- as a unit, the four films in some ways are better than the three books. I've read the books, and I agree with you. While the whole plot line and the idea is great, I the writing isn't awesome. Right, and I, I don't want to spoil it for Joel and Pat, but th- there's a thing about the ending that is a little crappy in the books in what you do and don't get to see due to perspective. Mm-hmm. And seeing it on screen was way more effective than having it be off screen in the books. Now, I know previously I had comment in the... Um in Battle Royale, I commented about the music feeling out of place, kind of weird. Mm-hmm. I do have to say the music and lack of music in in Hunger Games was perfect. Um, like in the whole, like imagine I, I, I my notes here, I have cornucopia is brutal. The whole scene where they all come out of the cornucopia and just go at each other. No music, no effects, very little sound whatsoever. But it's just almost silence with children destroying each other. I mean, it's uh, they use a great use of silence and a great use of the music to bring you into the different scenarios. So like when um, Katniss walks onto the train for the first time and they have all those pastries and candies and this uh, uh, all these foods out in front of her. Did you notice it went silent and kind of like dreamlike in the whole scenario? I, I give great credit to the sound editor and the mus- and the uh, score of this, and the one, of this movie. Too. Oh, yeah, cinematography. I mean, I'm not a big fan of uh, shaky cam, but this was good use of it. Yeah, I didn't even get sick. No? <laughs> not even a little. Oh, that's so happy. <laughs> I was hoping you'd get sick. Hey. No, oh, not really. Not until I was hoping now. somebody would punch you in the head. Well, that happened. I'm on my way. on your way to texas with the bottle no i'm gonna come punch you oh but you also were gonna take a bottle careful all this violence i'm gonna get turned on again oh no (laughs) good thing he's wearing baggy shorts so uh hunger games (laughs) he says trying to take Uh, i do think kato was a little less menacing uh than our uh kiriyama they're they're kind of the analog. You've got the guy who's there because he wants to be. Yeah, and then you've got. But if you got... give one of them a, a submachine gun with a lot of firepower, he's going to be a little more intimidating. Plus, yeah, I mean, granted, he hacked down a bunch of little kids with a sword, but he, he's not quite as just like visually intimidating as Kiriyama was. Well, you didn't see him as much either. Truth. Right. He popped up here and there, but. Yeah, he showed up at the end. Um, the food stash scene where she, I, I, I thought was kind of clever. I'm going to shoot at the bag of apples and cause them to set off the landmines. <laughs> She'll learn to set back, set back a little further though. When she I, I, oh, I know. Seriously. Uh, that was kind of cool. But I, you know, one of the things, one of the tropes of movies that I really don't like is the stupid, I'm snapping your neck by flipping your head to the right type of thing. That made me afraid to do to people every day. Yeah, yeah, that made me afraid to go to the chiropractor. <laughs> Literally. Oh man, what the chiropractor! So snap somebody's neck. That feels so good. I mean, you know how much pressure it takes to break somebody's neck with your hands. You got to be built like Schwarzenegger. That's your explanation for everything. Well, I if I could 
I think Pat just finished. <laughs> oh. I don't know what to make of that. Everyone, everyone should always be their best Schwarzenegger. Words to live by, folks. There you That's go. Going on your tombstone. Yep. I'm not gonna have a tombstone. I'm gonna be cremated. Oh, oh you're, you're gonna, gonna have, have a tombstone. tombstone. Or I'm yep. gonna disappear altogether. You yeah. still have a tombstone, dude. I have your tombstone. It's like 20 feet behind me in my basement. He does. I've already made it. How cute. <laughs> oh, you've seen it then. It says he lives as he dies. <laughs> a princess. <laughs> Um, this is one of Woody Harrelson's, I'd say, top ten roles, maybe top five. Mm-hmm. I like him a lot as Hamish. Yeah, very subdued Woody Harrelson, sure. Well, I really think that he's... Matured? Well, yeah, he's definitely better than what he was on Cheers. But Hamish, I think, is one of my favorite characters, even above um, Katniss. The relationship that develops over the series between Hamish and Effie, just like, I'm not even talking sexual tension, just like their interplay, how they take different tacks towards uh, improving the pledge's chances of living and how they interact with one another is just fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Well, and when we watched, uh, Isaiah and I watched War of the Planet of the Apes, <laughs> first thing he did when he saw him, he's like, hey, it's Hamish. <laughs> Uh, You don't get to see a whole lot out of Liam Hemsworth in this first one. He's almost a background character. True. Um, Yeah, we we get the most of Cinna, I think, in this first one. I like Cinna. And And Kravitz kills it. Yeah, he does. I am so impressed by his ability. I was not expecting Lenny Kravitz to be as good as as this role as he was expecting him to be. Well, yeah, and I mean, I could see why, like, I bring up Precious because he received, like, 15 award nominations, like, three years before this. But that's one of those films that's so heavy, a lot of people won't have seen it because, like, I don't want to be depressed tonight. True. Yeah, it took me a while to get up the, to be in the right mood to watch it because you can't just put it on for fun. (laughs) Right. You know? Absolutely. Like, hey, I'm in the mood for something light. Hey, I've got people over. Let's watch Precious. But that <laughs> definitely is the proof of concept for Lenny Kravitz as an actor. Yeah. Um, I most... wouldn't mind seeing him in more stuff. It's not like you know he did this, and I'm I'm like I don't want to see anything more he ever did. Right. No, I I honestly this sounds strange. I don't. Well, maybe it might sound strange, but imagine like a Lenny Kravitz character in. Like, uh, what's that sci-fi uh, Shadowrun type show on Netflix right now? Right. No, no the other Black one with the with with um. Sense Eight. Oh, shit. Sense Eight's canceled. Oh. Yeah. Um. Uh. I, I know what you're talking about. I was yep. just reading about it earlier, and I'm blanking now too. I'm reading it right now. The chip in the back of the neck type of thing. Guy comes back them dead. Yep. To solve the murder. Ah. Altered uh, carbon. Altered carbon. Yeah, I could you see know, him. Damn it! I almost said that, but I didn't think that was going to be right. Son of a bitch. Sorry, I should have just said it. <laughs> you should have. No, I just assumed Josh would have already thought of that one. I-, I blanked the same time Mike did. That's what happens. It being one of your favorite shows, I figured no, it can't be that. He would have known that. <laughs> <laughs> no, keep going. I'm done. He finished already. Remember? <laughs> uh, we didn't get a whole lot of uh, that was the one thing in the difference between this book and this first movie of some of the other pledges but you've got Rue who is just adorable 
All right. Somebody was. in my house was cutting onions when Rue died, and I'm not sure who it was, but I want to know why they were doing it at that time. It was yeah. so sad. Yeah, Rue. Uh, my car is named after Rue. Odd. No, that, that was just yeah. The, the decision when uh, Sarah and I got the car is that that this car would be named Rue. So it doesn't run. It Jesus hides. Christ, Joel. <laughs> It hides. It's 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 very compact. His his car is in a tree. <laughs> I just figured it was dead. That's all. All right. Can I just say that gen- genetically engineered wasps? Yeah. Fuck everything about that. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and those that... creepy dogs with almost human faces. <gasps> oh my god! I'm glad you brought that up. I looked that up to see because there's actually more to the dogs than they let on. Well, they don't let on anything in the movie. But yeah. They're way creepier in the book. Oh, my God. Because what they do is they actually put the face of previous people who've been killed in the arena on the dog's faces. So I wasn't wrong that they had vaguely human features. No, no, not at all. Okay. In in fact, yes, they are specifically uh, the other tributes who have already died. Yeah. Well, that's needlessly creepy. Yeah kind of fucked up all over the place well and it's one of those things where if you tried to do it on screen you end up with the mummy too with a rock lobster or you end up with the invasion of the body snatchers <laughs> yeah it just it would not have looked right if it was accurate to the way they were described in the book they would have been unintentionally hilarious which is well, not what you want out of you them. would have had to explain it too you would have had to explain a lot of backstory to make it make sense right and it wasn't worth the screen time they were plenty menacing without getting into all that right so uh are we thumbs up thumbs down time i i kind of want to talk about caesar flickerman but oh, oh please, caesar is awesome i i love caesar i mean he is obviously a to a propaganda tool of the establishment but he is just so much fun to watch i, I am so happy every time caesar's on the screen in all four films you know why because stanley tucci is a hundred percent into it yeah it's a little creepy that Johnny Wire, when he was doing the Olympics, decided to basically be Caesar Flickerman. I don't know if you guys watched the Winter Olympics. No, I did not. But yeah, Johnny Wire had the hair, had the outfits. What? I did. I did see the memes of people talking about how it was the Hunger Games. Yep. L- little less fun in real life. <laughs> Only a little. Johnny Wire can almost pull it off. Yeah, he's almost there. I. Uh, Oh, I don't even know. Do we want to talk about the ending at all? About the berries? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a clean line from her shooting the apple uh, out out of the mouth of the pig to, like, show, hey, you need to pay attention to me, all the way to Seneca Crane's death at the end. There's, like, a direct sh- uh, narrative arc. I... Here's my question. Is if Seneca Crane walks into the room and there's a big bowl of berries in the room... What happens if he just says, I'm not going to eat them? Right. That's he what dies I way worse. They probably go to work on him with a ball-peen hammer and make his death take weeks. They sick the face dogs on him. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, that, I think that is the, this is your uh, harakiri way out. This is your honorable death, where uh, if you do this, mm-hmm. you'll get a nice funeral, mm-hmm. a nice obituary your family will be taken care of. If you don't do this... We can do lots to you. That's yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure that the berries were presented to him as the easy way out. 
I do have to say that if I could grow a beard like that, I totally would. All right. <laughs> like like a spirograph beard. Oh yeah. Whose beard? Wes Bentley. Seneca. Yeah, Seneca Crane. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's he. It looks like it was airbrushed or, or done on a spirograph. Where it's it, got all the crazy curves and points. But he's got super thick facial hair, and that was yeah. his hair. Wait, wait, that was literally his hair that wasn't like yeah. put on. No, that was literally his beard. Oh my That's god. Awesome. Yeah, I read some trivia on. <laughs> When when we were putting up the trivia, putting the show notes together, I was reading trivia and uh, came across that. That's crazy pants. Yep. If you ever see him, because he's, I mean, he's not as big as he used to be um, when American Beauty came out. But yeah, he's done some movies where he's got a beard and it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty impressive. All right. Well, there you I, go. No, I, I might be ready for <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs down. One, wait, one more, one more statement. Yeah. How does cake decorating transfer into super ability to conceal yourself? To, to make camouflage. I mean, if you're thinking like he's been working on it since he was a little kid and he's like ace of cakes level, I, I, I can buy that. He saw the sign. <laughs> I mean, I gave it a little bit of suspension of disbelief. I'm like, yeah, I've seen some cakes that look pretty realistic. I mean... Granted, he doesn't have an airbrush and he doesn't have all the equipment and everything. It probably shouldn't look so good. But And I think we got a bit of a montage out of their training. It's probably implied that most of his time is spent applying those skills to getting better at camouflage and throwing heavy things because those are really his only two strengths. Like you can assume there are a couple weeks where they're all training. Well, yeah, they they said that they had... A while to train. Montage. Four days or something like that. I don't know. Everybody loves montage. Even Rocky had a. So yeah, it's a little hand wavy, but yeah, that, that's that's what he was working on during his training montage. I did like the scene where he picks up the gigantic spiked ball and chucks it across the room, showing off his prowess. Yeah, they definitely try to ma- in the book and the way they try to present his character. He's the burly one, and. If I have to criticize, Josh Hutcherson just kind of isn't. Nope. Yeah, not at all. He's a baby no. feet. Yeah, if, if Liam Hensworth had done that, I would have bought it. But with him doing it, I'm like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. 100 pound bags of flour. Eh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he they shot it. He did it. But I don't know why 100% buy it. Yeah. I wasn't quite buying what they were selling either. But movie logic. True. Yeah, and he's so good at all other aspects of the character, especially where the character Peta has to go through the rest of the series that I am not complaining about the casting, but it was one thing that stuck out to me on a first watching cuz everybody loves pita bread. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Uh, all right. So, Joel. Yep. What are we doing next week? Or rather, what are you guys doing next week? Wait, wait. Thumbs wait. up, thumbs down. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Right. an entire segment. Sorry, missed that. Thumbs up, thumb. Patrick. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Mm, come back to me. <laughs> Were you flying away on a World War II plane <laughs> there? <laughs> <laughs> come back when you land. Peter, 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 Peter. I'll go. All right. Uh, the Battle Royale definitely thumbs up. Uh, obviously, if that wasn't clear from the beginning, and uh, I would give this a thumbs up. Yeah. I think it's pretty obvious for me. Enthusiastic thumbs up for both. Yep. Thumbs up, thumbs up. Okay, Pat. Come back to me. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, we're we're back. We're back, dude. What the hell? <laughs> I would have to. It's it's a thumbs up for Hunger Games, and I think it's probably it's a it's it's a it's close, but it's probably a thumbs down for Battle Royale. Boo. But it's not like a enthusiastic like like fuck that movie. It's just I don't know. I mean, it was a little bit too uh, disheveled and a little bit too uneven. But it had a lot of too many faults. Yeah, but it had a lot of potential, and I, you know, and I appreciate it for you know setting off the the, the genre. Fair. That's, fair, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. So next week, yes, we are. Uh, well, first of all, we're sans Mike. Ah. Uh, <clears throat> we may potentially do a three person. We may do something else. That yes, we may have a secret fourth host. Hmm. But uh, regardless of the amount of people on the show, we will be covering. Don Adams, get west versus get west, get yeah. smart. Get west. <laughs> Next versus... week, Joel's going to get smart. <laughs> Between... <laughs> I take the donuts. Get smart. Yeah. Get SMRT. Mm-hmm. Smart. So uh, if you're looking for our older stuff, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, and NoonFM.com. All right. And it. if you'd like to give us your thoughts on anything Hunger Games, uh, anything battle royale or anything getting smart you can always give us a call at 708 now wrap that's 708-669-9727 yep and may lady luck always be with you ew you stop lady luck's chewing a banana Hey, let's just yeah. That'll be the the topic. Cowboy hip hop. Cowboy. No, no, I'm not listening to. Uh, no. How about Christian country acid house music? Big, <laughs> no. I know of one band. <laughs>